Dr. Shelley Hogan is kind of a local legend here in Pennsylvania and also in Arizona where she is from. I have been hearing about her for about, I, I want to say, well, it's over a year now because we've been here in Pennsylvania kind uh, of off and on because of COVID and all that traveling and things that we do for about 13 months. And I have heard about Dr. Shelley quite a bit. Uh, several people in the church are involved in her ministry, and I have heard so many testimonies of how God has used her and her inner healing ministry to completely transform people's lives. And so I know especially the uh, Pastor Mark here, who is a, a good, good friend of mine and the pastor of, of Dubois Light and Life Church, along with his wife, Angel, who is in this podcast. Uh, he has shared some of just the intensity of the ministry that Dr. Shelley has, but also how it so so radically transformed him. And of course, I'm going to get him on the show. I have an interview that with them coming up soon, but so I'm not going to share the whole story. But I will say that I was really excited because we had invited Dr. Shelley to teach on the Missions Core course, which is Found Ministries, uh, the ministry that I direct uh, aside from this one. Yeah, Found Ministries is is our missions is our missionary organization, and we have a six month school, five month school, depending on which one we're doing. It, it kind of fluctuates. They call it the Missions Core Course, and and on our very first one, which was earlier this year, we had asked Dr. Shelley to be one of our teachers, and she came to teach. She was going to teach a week at the school, and then COVID hit, and so on her week, and so she wasn't able to travel. And then none of us knew how to use Zoom. We had we didn't know what we were doing. And so she tried teaching on Zoom. It didn't work very well because again, none of us knew what to do. And so I and then she had had a couple of uh, inner healing conferences here in Dubois, where I am based right now. And uh, I I wasn't able to go to either of the conferences because it just always happens to fall whenever my wife and I need to travel, and we haven't been able to go to the conferences yet. And so I was really excited to be able to sit down with her and do this conference at Dubois Light and Life Church. And uh, I'm, I'm very excited. I know that you're going to be blessed hearing her testimony, how God has used her. And so if you're interested after you've heard this and you want to check out her website, it is www.e5lifestrategies.com. It will also be in the show notes so you can find it there. And also, we have something cool that we're doing. And I got this from Darren Wilson, the, the director of uh, uh, Father of Lights and the Finger of God. Not that he told me this personally. I am just shamelessly stealing the idea from him because he's doing a crowd crowdfunding thing, or at least he was. I think they're done now. But he was doing a crowdfunding thing to raise money for his new movie that he's he's filming, and he was raising money for it. And uh, uh, The Chosen also do the same thing. But, he, but Darren Wilson did something really cool where if you donated – at least fifty dollars to his movie to to develop this new movie of his. He would put you in the credits, and so I was so excited about it. I had that idea, like, hey, I, I should do that for the Revival Carriers podcast because that was really cool. Because I gave fifty dollars towards it, and I'm so excited whenever it comes out to see myself in the credits. Be like, hey, I am a part of this, and because I feel like this podcast is, I, I feel like we're this this small group of people. And we, we listen to this podcast. I get to do the interviews, but I learn just as much as you guys doing them. And I thought to myself, there are people who are have been with me from the beginning and have been considering becoming financial partners. And I thought I should put them in the credits at the end of each episode. I've never done that before. I've never had credits at the end. I just have sort of the, the plate with the music. 
And I so so that's what we're going to start doing. If you have been interested in partnering with the Revivals Carriers podcast and you go on our website and you become a monthly partner, it doesn't matter how much, then what I'm going to do is for every episode that you are one of our supporters in, I'm going to put you in the credits at the end of the episode with a special thanks. And I'll, I, I am I haven't really decided exactly how I'm going to do it. It might just say like this episode is sponsored by or supporters. And what I'm thinking about doing, and some of you can chime in if you want, if you want to write me, if you don't care, then I'm just going to make a decision. But, uh, but I feel like you guys do care because I get a lot of feedback. But what I'm thinking about doing is if it is, if you become a supporter for a hundred dollars or less, or maybe $50 or less, then you will be a supporter. I'll, I'll bill you as a, because you know how credits, they have all the different categories. You'll be billed as a supporter of the ministry. And then for $50, if you become a monthly sponsor of 50 or above, then I will bill you as a producer of the show. And it's just, uh, I saw that at a conference once, uh, a couple of these count crowdfunding things. Um, I was at a big crusade in New York years ago. And that's what they did. People who, who were a certain level of supporter, they had a big flashing billboard on there. And so that's, that's what we'll do. And if you have like a ministry or something that you would want to be billed on the episode as well, like next to your name, they could say like, um, like, uh, you know, Geraldo, um, whatever your last name is. And then you have a ministry, you know, like, um, Geraldo's taco outreach or something like that. Like you reach the streets of Mexico with special, um, like street tacos, which are like the best tacos, by the way, then I, you could just tell me, Hey, I become a supporter. I'm going to be billed on there. Um, I'm going to be, uh, if you could just put this next to my name, if that's something that's important, important to you, then I will do it. Otherwise I will just put your name down there. So that's what we're going to start doing because, uh, I'm trying to get this thing funded. If we could bring in just a few hundred dollars a month with, uh, with this podcast, it would make a huge, huge difference and be a big, big help as we continue to get this podcast off the ground. So now without any further ado, I'm going to let you jump, jump into this interview with Dr. Shelly Hogan. I know she's going to be a blessing and just like all of our interviews are. So be blessed and uh, enjoy. Here comes Dr. Shelly Hogan. Started. Okay. Well, uh, so thank you, Dr. Shelley. I'm, I'm really excited. Angel, for those of you who are watching our listeners as well. So I have Dr. Shelley here and then Angel as well. Angel has been a friend and we're going to get her on this podcast, but she is difficult to get a hold of because her schedule is always so crazy. And so we have her scheduled for a few weeks from now. So it's going to be, she's going to be really awesome. And uh, I'll, I'm not going to I'm not going to ruin any of her story for you guys. But today we're honored to have Dr. Shelley with us. So, Dr. Shelley, you haven't been on this before, but this is kind of a, the tradition on this show is what we do is we always start with the testimony of the person who is the guest. Okay. And uh, because this show, the, the whole like slogan for the show is testimonies from the kingdom. Uh -huh. And so we like to hear people's stories. And uh, we've had some incredible, incredible guests. This just on Tuesday, my last guest was a guy, awesome guy named Lionheart. And he has this whole wild testimony and his name is all part of it and all that kind of stuff. And he's uh, some of the people like he's done like 
quarter million person crusades and just all over the world preaching the gospel and like uh, Sam Childers and uh, all these all these awesome people. So we love hearing people's stories mm-hmm. and our listeners love people's stories. So if you would just start us off, if you'd be willing to share your testimony with us. Sure. I'm just thinking it's probably long. <laughs> it's okay. It's a podcast. We don't have a time limit. Okay. Well, um, I didn't grow up in church, so we... We spent, did a short stint in a Baptist church when I was about seven, and uh, my parents, um, so we didn't really have a religious upbringing. They didn't stop us from church. We, didn't, we just didn't go. And then um, when I was about 15, I had a divine encounter with God. I was in a, an accident. I was, we were driving up in the mountains of Arizona, and a bunch of us kids were in the back, and the truck tipped over on a, the edge of a mountain, and everybody went rolling down the hill, and I was picked up and set beside the truck. My hat didn't even fall off. Like you were in the truck, and then you were suddenly not in the truck? Yes. And this is, you know, with no frame of reference, no knowing what's going And so I'm just like, wow, that was weird, as I'm watching everybody roll down the hill. But it uh, put me on a search for God, and, in, and I'm begging everybody to take me to church somewhere. Where do you go? Take me, take me. And they didn't, and I met this uh, young man, and uh, one day we were driving down the road, and he said, when I'm married, uh, me and my family will be in that church, and I'm looking for God, and so I'm like, maybe I, maybe I should marry him, mm. <laughs> and I did, wow. <laughs> but, uh, but he wasn't, he wasn't, his family was raised in the Assemblies of God, and they had helped start that church, and uh, one day we were um, partying, because we hadn't gone to the church yet and they were having a revival and we're like hey we should go you know the next night we should go and so I went and I gave my heart to the Lord and I was I was all in you know Bible studies and reading my Bible and everything but um, about six months later husband's like I'm not well his boyfriend at that time he's like I'm not ready to settle down and went back out into the world and I went with him years later I asked the Lord how did that happen because I was doing all the right things I was going to church, I was in the Bible studies, I was being discipled, and the Lord showed me that my husband was an idol in my heart, and so I was following him instead of following God. And uh, uh, when I was about 23, we were pregnant with our first daughter, and I realized I can't, I can't do this life without Jesus, and I'm like, you, you can do what you want, but I'm going back. Hmm. And uh, sat in the very back row of the church and just entered into a covenant with God, and it's been going forward ever since. Wow, that that's really interesting because I know a lot of times, and we're going to talk about your ministry quite a bit here, mm-hmm. but that is amazing. I've met so many people as well who they kind of place their spouse in that place of God mm-hmm. and how how destructive that can be, how, the, how much that can kind of chain you. And so whenever, whenever you... You had this thing, this divine encounter with God where he saves your life, and then you go, obviously years have passed, mm-hmm. and you're going to church. What, was there a lot of contention in your like between you and your husband whenever you decided to go to church and he decided to say, or was he just sort of... Well, when I really entered into covenant with God, I um, became a better wife. I loved him better because I was letting God love on me. And so, you know, the scripture that says by your gentleness, you know, they'll be led, it it just started to turn his heart towards God. And actually, one of the things, you know, God can use things that are not, that we wonder like, "Eh, was that a dangerous thing to the kingdom? But I don't know if you remember 88 reasons why God could come in 1988. It was a big movement. You were too young, maybe. I was three. (laughs) (laughs) That, well, my husband growing up in church, he knew, you know, he knows the biblical narrative. And so it really sparked him to like, 
I need, I need to think about my life. And so he gave his heart back to the Lord and he's been with, with us ever since. And you know, the thing about idols is that there it's subconscious. We don't realize that we're being drawn to that, but anything that can lead us above God can become an idol. So any, anything or any person, children can become idols, food, anything can become an idol if it, if it takes a precedence in our heart over God. So let me ask you, because I've had, I've had several guests, um, female pastors, and obviously the ministry to women is so huge, it's so important, and the role of women in the church as, as leaders is a really important and also extremely controversial topic. Mm-hmm. So I've had some women, cause just because I'm in ministry as well, and there's a question that they have, I'd be interested in both of your take on this, is what does a wife do, a believing wife do in the case where the husband basically forbids them to go to church? Because I know, I know many women, especially in Latin America, this, this happens quite a bit, and the husband forbids them to go to church, so they, they don't go to church because they believe the Bible says you submit to your husband. But there's that whole controversy, what do you do then with the kingdom of God? So what, what is your take on that? What should the wife do in this situation? Well, husband never forbade me. <laughs> so, right, right. But over there, I think that um, I think that if we're really leaning into God and we have a relationship with Him, um, He's going to lead us. Now, the submission, you know, that scripture first is mutual submission, and then uh, as to the Lord, submit to one another. And so, um, each each case is is probably unique. You know, if there's someone who's the husband is abusive, that's a whole nother story. And, you know, you want to get them safe and get them out. Um, I think you can encounter God outside of church. Absolutely. And maybe look for a small group or, you know, a group of people that can feed your ministry in the Lord and uh, definitely pray because prayer does change the hearts of people. Pray for that husband and begin to speak into him gently and woom gently. I think it's hard to give a general answer when we have to look at where people are at and if they're safe and so forth. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I I agree 100%. um, But I also know, for me, when I had four children a year apart, and I remember God meeting me at the most unique places where I was at, in the shower, (laughs) in the bathroom, you know. And so uh, I would say that for a woman who her husband doesn't allow her and she wants to be obedient and submissive and do those things, especially in a culture where that is very important, I believe that God can meet them where they're at. And prayer changes everything. The hearts of the husband. Mm. Do you think that online, because I know there are a lot of online churches, right? do you think that that's a viable way for, for people to connect, or do you think it's too impersonal? Well, my lane is um, how we're changed in community. And so I think, I think it can be a viable community, and especially in our current culture, that has to happen a lot. But there's there's it. I don't think it has it, it, long term. It can be effective in bringing transformation. Of course, I'm not God. I don't know how he can use anything anywhere. And so does it have the potential to do that? If, if you lean in and do it right, if it's not just watching the video, but if there's some sort of interaction and some sort of connection place, because we're changed in connection. We're absolutely changed in connection. It's it's the way we're wired biologically. Um, physiologically, theologically, we're changed in connection. So somehow there has to be an authentic connection and a transparent connection. Now that doesn't have to be with a large church. As a matter of fact, if you're really going to be transparent, it's usually going to be the people you're close to, the people who who care about you and know you the best, like husbands and wives and families and so forth. So 
if that can, it is absolutely viable and God's using it. But for lasting transformation, there has to be a deeper connection along with those services. I, I watch church online. Sometimes I watch, the, you know, here from Arizona and other places. So it, it does produce, you know, there's a level of transformation from getting the word. But to really walk out who you're supposed to be in the kingdom, you need each other. Yeah, that's so true. I, I had a conversation with someone recently, and we were we were talking about this, about having had the, the importance of community, because that's uh, what this church is. That's the whole focus mm-hmm. right now as well. You just spoke on that this Sunday, and someone was asking about the online church, and I said, you know, you can you can go online, you can watch your favorite preachers or people that mm-hmm. you get revelation from, but you cannot replace community. No, nope. you can't do it because there. There's the younger generation, the millennials, especially they spend a lot of time online, but there's also one of the highest rates of depression in the United States right now, globally right now. And a lot Mm -hmm. of it is because it's, it's almost like whenever you drink a soda, you know how soda, it tricks your body into thinking that you've been hydrated when you haven't. Right. It's the same thing going on Facebook. It it tricks you mentally into thinking you've been sociable whenever you haven't. Right. And so it's really, and the isolation gets you. And another thing about online is, you know, when you're in a church setting or when you're with other people, they're going to talk to you what you need to hear. When you're online, you can, you can pick and choose what you listen to. And if you're not careful politically and, you know, in, in all veins, we can get locked into this one voice, you know, this one theme and not hear other voices. And that can be very detrimental to, um, because it will form us and it begins to form in us belief systems that are, that are erroneous, that they're not, they're not the whole truth Mm. and they're not. And, you know, now we have fake news and all these things. We really need to lean into discernment and we need community that's going to tell us, Hey, you're better than that. Or what are you thinking? (laughs) You know? Hmm. So, all right. So you, you're going to church and your testimony, right? You're, you're, you're moving forward in your testimony and, and uh, tell me about E5. Like, how how did God call you to this ministry? Tell me about the ministry, the the origins of it. Uh, well, when I started going to church, um, I felt like God told me to get ready, and I didn't know what that meant. And and from from my frame of reference, I figured I needed some training. And so I went to my husband. I said, I feel like God wants me to get ready. And uh, funny side story: not having any church background, the first place that God put me was with the little kids and the little Bible stories, and I would go to my husband, and I'm like, did you know this? Did you know about this guy getting swallowed by a big fish? I did not know this. <laughs> and he'd look at me like, where are you from? Everybody knows that. But uh, God trained me in that way, and I actually went up into ministry first, and uh, every step of the way, you know, in the Assemblies of God, they have a process for getting credentialed, and I was just going to school and learning, and then I felt like God really wanted me to uh, go to that next level of certification, and I mentioned it to my husband, and he uh, he tells me the story. He also, he percolates things for a while and then tells me, he said, I didn't want to be married to a minister. Uh, he said, but I talked to God about it, and he goes, you don't want to stand in the way. And so he has been my greatest support, my greatest uh, cheerleader and encourager. You know, he's actually having some health issues right now, and I said, I got to go. I hate to leave you. He goes, we're not standing in the way. You go do what you need to do. And so I went into pastoral ministry. I went all the way up into ordination with the Assemblies of God, still ordained with the Assemblies of God. And then, um, and I was an associate pastor in the church that I spiritually grew up in. And then we felt God shifting us, and we moved to uh, a bigger city, Maricopa, Arizona, and um, felt like God wanted me to go back to school. 
And so I went, I started, I went back to school and got a master's. And uh, then uh, as a pastor, working with a leadership team in the church, I'm like, I, I got to do something to fix these guys. They're making me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I had an accountability group and we decided to um, retreat so that I could pray to get a um, strategy from God to come back and fix the leadership team. Hmm. And I, uh, we went up to the mountains. Uh, in- interestingly, like I said, it's a long story. Interestingly, I told the, the, one of the accountability partners, I just got to pray. I just got to get a strategy, and then I'll come down, and we'll fix these people, and it'll be good. And uh, so she's guarding me wanting to pray. And another one of our accountability partners says, we should read this book. And uh, she goes, no, Shelly's going to pray, and we're just going to guard that. Well, God's funny, and he's going to work things out the way he wants. The night before we left, I was doing a chapel at uh, Home of Hope Teen Challenge, and the woman who wanted to read the book was the director. And I said, what are you going to do on our retreat? She goes, I'm going to read this book. And I'm like, oh, give it to me. I'll read it too. Wow. And I got mugged by God up in the mountain. What Literally was, what was the book? mugged by God. It's called Demolishing Strongholds. It's one of the books we use in, in the E5 ministry, and I've actually spoken with the people who wrote it. Um, you can get it online on a PDF for free. We, um, they said, you can use it as much as you want, just don't sell it. So we don't sell it. We bind it and let you pay for the binding, but we don't sell it. But it really put into place the things we need in our hearts and lives. And all through ministry, I had this voice in my head that would always second-guess everything I did. Uh, you, know, you know that voice that just torments you and yeah. makes you worry. And uh, I started uh, just praying and walking through that, and that voice left, and it's never been back. Mm. I was profoundly impacted by that journey, it, that mugging that I now call the mugging from yeah. God. And I uh, thought, I, how am I going to tell my husband what happened to me? <laughs> and I was going to lean in slowly. I get home and I tell him everything. And, you know, he's a percolator. He's thinking, I wonder if my wife's going to get weird. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was probably the that and the master's program where we were really taught on the power of community and prayers of three, which is a unique dynamic of E5, really birthed E5. And then I felt like God, I had an assignment to go uh, back to school and really build a theology of inner healing hmm. that's firmly based in scripture because inner healing can get hijacked right away and be yeah. very dangerous. And so we're very, very spirit led, very prophetic. And so the um, E5 was actually my doctoral project. Hmm. And when we first did the experiment and you have to do um, st- st- statistics to see how, what kind of measure of uh, impact the theory had you know you you present a theory of something that's going to help the kingdom you test the theory and then you review the theory and the reviews from that uh, from the statistics were profound they tell me that um, most doctoral projects don't have that kind of impact mm-hmm. where out of 16 markers 11 of them um, are you are you less angry have you been able to forgive different things like that were 40 um, percent or more uh, to to the betterment of the people, and so I'm like, wow, I should try this again. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we developed um, E5 Life Strategies, and we've had, we've ministered to over, well, over 300 people since mm. 2016. Wow, seeing yeah. lives change profoundly. Yeah, and see that that's the the thing, right? It's having that long lasting fruit, mm-hmm. and that that's so important. So I'm I'm curious because uh, I know I've heard so many testimonies from this church 
of just the some of the people that, that have had complete life changes from going through these inner healing conferences. But I also have heard a lot of people who are really um, adamant they don't need it mm-hmm. or adamant that or, or just don't I've understand. I've already done that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They've already done that or they don't understand. Yeah. And so can you kind of go over what is, uh, first of all, um, does everybody need inner healing? And what is the process that you go through with inner healing? I know you said that it's spirit-led, but what kind of Oh, yeah, we have a process. I think that with the Lord, you know, we, we live in this tension of make it happen, let it happen. And so we need to let God move, but we need to position ourselves so that God can move. And in the retreat, we position others so they can move. And um, the process, uh, do I think everybody needs inner healing? Yes. <laughs> and it's because we live in a broken world. And we are going to continue to live in a broken world until we get to the other side. The all things perfect come here. And so we have, um, we have the opportunity to be wounded. And many of us, as you know, I continue in research. I'm continually in research and studying and, and uh, leaning into the process and expanding uh, God, my presence with God so that I can minister healing to others. And uh, we recognize that my belief system is, you know, we're all we're all created for purpose. Psalm 139, Jeremiah's narrative. We're all created for purpose. And um, when the enemy sees that, gets a glimpse of that purpose, he tries to send in a takeout. And many times that happens at a young age or from trauma. And trauma stays with you unless it's processed. Biology, theology, psychology, all agree with the impact of trauma on the hearts and minds of people, and that we uh, we need each other. The Bible tells us that when, we're, when we confess our sins, we're healed, uh, that there's, there's something healing about the presence of the community of God. And so it's really just walking through a freedom with one another. If I confess to Angel, and she's a safe place, and she's going to respond in love and not shame, because shame is a takeout in the world, then I'm going to be healed. We, you know, when Paul said, we all with unveiled faces are being changed from glory to glory into ever-increasing glory, the, um, the original language that we're, we're being with unveiled faces as in a mirror, as in looking at ourselves, looking, and we see each other in ourselves. And so it changes us. Mm. Every time we're with God, we're changed. We truly, that's what repentance is, to change after being with. And every time we're with a transformational community. And that doesn't necessarily mean church, but everybody should be. It's life-giving to be in a, a transformative community. It, it calls us higher. It invites us to the glory upon glory. And so every, everybody needs to walk through that healing process. We all have hurts. We all have wounds. We all have um, even things we're unaware of. We cannot underestimate the power of self-deception. That's why we need each other, too. Uh, sometimes we're working things out. Uh, all of my team, we're just, we're just on the journey. Uh, now, many people think, well, if I, they're exhausted, you know, thinking I've got to heal, I've got to heal. But that's because they're doing it in their own strength, and they're doing it without community. And they're believing a belief system that be, if I have a need, then there's something defective with me. Our brokenness doesn't make us defective or ineffective to God. He uses broken people. It's all he's got to walk out. He's a, he's a wounded healer, and he uses wounded healers to walk out healing with others. And And it's a gentle journey, and when we recognize that, we're, we're not trying to, you know, one and done you, as our term is. We're trying to make you a better warrior so that you can walk it out. And then you asked me, oh, the process. Yes. So the process is really in a, in a, um, in a, in a 
unique way, it was my mugging. <laughs> what happened to me? I, I built into a process and, it, and it's developed ever since where we sit together in prophetic community first. We, there, we can build, when we tur all turn our hearts and minds towards the same purpose, we can build a sacred community rather quickly. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree? And the and true use of the prophetic helps to bring down the walls and encourage others in that. Prophetic can be hijacked too. But when we build a strong theology and we train in that, then uh, and we give space to you might not get it right, and but this is what it's this is how we operate. We build a safe place for the walls to come down. And then I teach on uh, forgiveness, repentance, and reconciliation. There's different times that we've um, helped people to recognize if they're walking in an orphan mindset versus a son mindset from the prodigal son stories. Um, we, um, we have a group ministry that happens. And then uh, one of the unique dynamics is we, we have two ministers who will meet with one person individually. So, so we're, we're really showing the concentric circles of community that I was teaching on yesterday where we're together as a group and then we're together as a smaller group and then we're together as a smaller group. And plus we invite you to be the very small group, you and God. And in that prayer ministry, ministers don't force anything. They don't lead anything. They invite the Holy Spirit in. Let's, let's ask God what he wants you to look at. Mm -hmm. And then they walk with them. It's very gentle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, Angel, because I know, you might have to come a little bit closer to the mic, but uh, I know I've heard from, especially from Pastor Mark, your husband, about how it, this completely changed his life going through this mm -hmm. inner healing. And just you, as part of this community of this church, how have you seen the ministry of inner healing impact the church as a congregation? Uh, for me, it has been, it's the reason we have community. And it's the reason this church does community so well is that people are willing to face the fact there is some brokenness in me that doesn't allow me to come close to you. It doesn't allow me to allow you close to me to see my junk because shame has hijacked my life. And it allows those walls to come down so that we can do community well. I believe personally that the, that is the very reason, the very core of why Light and Life does community so well is because so many of us has walked through this process in order to do life with you well. Hmm. I, I should tell you how it happened with us together. We should tell that. Yeah, yeah. So we met in Russia on a missions trip together. We were both with the, with the same organization doing a mission trip, so me from Arizona, her from Pennsylvania, and our hearts connected, mm -hmm. and we just uh, had a heart connection. And another God move, I am deep in the, in the project writing stage, which is you lock yourself in a room and eat donuts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> my, my husband and kids, are, I'm like, just leave me in the room. I've got to wrestle through this because writing is a wrestling process. And in the middle of that, when, when I'm completely focused, the Holy Spirit's like, you should reach out to Angel. And so I think it was night. It was mm -hmm. at night. I'm you know locked in my office by myself trying to figure out chapter two. And I'm like, hey, Angel, you know, I just messaged her on Facebook just wanted to share with you some things I'm doing. You know, we had a conversation and stuff, and it was, it on your end, how what, what was going on on your end? I'm just like, God's telling me, you got to reach out to Angel. Similar to her mugging, I was having a similar conversation with God. I was working in the mental health field, and I'm like, there's a piece missing besides just Jesus that I, I need. And so I began the process of praying and asking God, what's the piece I'm missing? So I purposely went into prayer for other people, not myself, because I'm pretty sure I had it together. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she calls me and I'm like, 
this is the peace. This is what I'm looking for. Yes, yes. What do I have to do? And she's like, well, you have to go through the process. Mm -hmm. So I went through the process and did not know how messed up I really was and Mm -hmm. how much I had become a functioner, but never dealing with any of my own trauma and the places that were broken inside of me. And I was leading out of a place of brokenness that was then in turn actually breaking people because of my harshness and just my wounds was spilling out on others in ministry, but I didn't recognize it before until I walked through this process. And I, you know, I I don't believe Christians can be demon possessed, possessed in any way, but I questioned (laughs) whether or not I was in that first meeting. Huge impression. And you you want to talk about the use of, um, of the internet and so forth. The (laughs) first prayer, prayer session we had with her before going through a retreat was over Skype. Yes. So one of my prayer ministers and I, and we always meet in two because we, we well, there's, there's two or more gathered in his name, and uh, we can hear better. The, we, you know, we don't all have the complete mm-hmm. um, story of God. That's why we need community, too. God gives some to be prophets, some to be apostles, some to be teachers. You've had different experiences. I've had different experiences. So he's, he's positioned it that we're, we're all the Imago Dei. And we have that presence with him. And so we, uh, we pulled, pulled, we're in our prayer room at the church and we're on the computer and we had, uh, we did, we walked her through the process and it was cool. God has showed up. <laughs> she dropped something. down and we're like, where'd you go? <laughs> so wow. It was fun. <laughs> and then, and then they came out to Arizona to the second retreat. So they've been, they've been in the process. I mean, the, the, the start of it was way back when I was 15 and God, you know, encountered me in mm-hmm. 2000, probably 2008, 2009 was when I really started to turn towards it. But the impetus of it coming out, they've, they've been in the process for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of the things that, one of the things I love about people who have, because, because people in general, they know they, I, I, especially in these interviews, I find that there's a switch in people. There's their public persona and then there's their private persona. And uh, in terms of people who've done a lot of interviews are some of the most difficult people to interview because they have what they people who the watchers they've heard me talk about this quite a bit they have their interview persona Uh where as soon as they realize they're in an interview things kind of click and they become interview person which is why i usually don't i usually start running the camera before anything's even and they don't even know they're being the interview is actually happening because usually the most organic part of the whole thing is those first 10 15 minutes before they realize we're actually doing the interview and because that's, I think that that is what, really, that that is who we are. And that's what often we learn to layer with all kinds of stuff. We can learn to cover up with all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. And, and wounds so, help that. Wounds, yeah. And so, um, I mean, I'm kind of segueing. It's kind of a harsh segue. But I just have a question because you mentioned a demon possession. And this is just an inter- interesting thing. With, with inner healing, it... With, I, I wanted to ask you this about trauma, whenever you mentioned trauma. I, I heard, I believe it was Derek Prince, I read one of his books, and he mm-hmm. talked about how trauma can open a door for the demonic. demonic. And mm-hmm. so what is your take on in inner healing? How does the demonic play into that? Do you not see it playing into that? How do you, what is your take on the demonic and inner healing? Um, not in terms of it being demonic, but in terms oh, of... Oh, no, inner healing is not demonic. No, I, yeah, <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying in the terms of like the, the wounds that people have, the things that you have okay. to deal with, how mm-hmm. much is there that is demonic? Well, um, we have three enemies. Well, I want to just say something to what you said about uh, being different people. Uh, you know, God didn't create us to walk in different personas or so forth. We're, we're to be our authentic self. 
and there's no true transformation without transparency. And how hard is it to um, have all these personalities or or personas that you're trying to live up mm-hmm. to? And you know they're going to slip somewhere or another. That that facade is going to slip, and people are going to know the real you. So to be able to be the real you and know that you're loved and accepted, even if you mess up, is one of the great gifts of inner healing. So um, we have three enemies: the world, the flesh, and the devil. So Jesus has overcome the the world and conquered conquered the power of the enemy. We have to conquer and crucify the flesh. That's what Scripture says. So um, one of the things that they said about Jesus when he walked on the earth is that Satan, there was nothing in him, I'm paraphrasing, that Satan could hook onto. Wounds and trauma and sin open up hooks that the enemy can get into us. Now, as Angel said, we do not believe that um, a person could be possessed you know, I believe in the, uh, that we are, we are triune beings too, body, soul, and spirit. And when we're, uh, except Christ as our savior, our spirit man comes to life and is perfect and God has access to the heavenlies, walks with God. Uh, when we die, our body will be transformed. Uh, in the meantime, we're in the soul healing process and scripture is very clear about this with Jesus. So the enemy can hook into those soul places and oppression from the enemy where a spirit of depression comes upon you or a bitterness which you know the bible talks about being a a spiritual force fear is a spiritual force those um, demonic entities can can manipulate and hijack and bind people and so coming out of agreement with the works of darkness is one of the recognizing and then uh, repenting of partnering with renouncing fellowship with darkness and then um, replacing it with Biblical truth, you always have to replace because if the house is empty, the enemy is going to come back. And so we replace with truth. Um, have we seen people uh, at a level of demonic uh, possession? And uh, well, we, if it, it was possession, it would be an unbeliever, and we'd have to lead them to the Lord first. And we, they'd have to want to come to the Lord. You don't want to set someone free who doesn't want to come to the Lord because then the house is empty, comes back worse. But we've seen levels of oppression that have. Uh, physically manifested in people's bodies we've experienced it and uh, so does the devil is he at work yes we have a real enemy and maybe that's some of the issue is we don't in the world is that we don't understand we have a real enemy and we can open the doors to enemy influence Paul talks about it that if you um, hold on to unforgiveness you are going to be um, you know manhandled by darkness Satan is going to torment you and torture you with it. And so we do have biblical evidence of it. I love Derek Prince, read, um, read some of his stuff for the, for the process and still do. And so he recognized as well Randy Clark, mm-hmm. the biblical guide to deliverance. Excellent book. So, and so we, we, it, it's out there in the kingdom. There's, and there's definitely the healthy that's strongly biblically based, biblically led and protected by community. And then there's the unhealthy. What, what do you think about um, the demonic at work in it? Oh, absolutely. I, I You know, John 10.10 10 is, is that I came to give you abundant life, but he came to, to steal, kill, and destroy. Mm-hmm. And I believe that he's constantly, if he sees destiny on us, he is constantly looking to steal, kill, and destroy. It's what he's done from the very beginning, and mm-hmm. that's what he continues to do. So any hook he can get or grab hold of, he will. And so, yeah, absolutely. And sometimes we don't know. You know, Mm -hmm. Jesus warned that even the very chosen, those who are walking, and and we, you know, I've been doing a study of uh, of uh, biblical figures 
and their walk in life. And you mm -hmm. can see how undealt with issues or where a demonic place entered in um, hijacked them later in their ministry. Moses supposed to go into the promised land, but an undealt with issue of anger that appeared young in his life came up later. And our, our goal is we don't we want everybody to be fully devoted and fully functioning in the wholeness of who they are in God. Mm -hmm. We don't want in, there to be any hooks or any takeouts later in life. David, you know, a takeout of lust with Bathsheba after he'd walked with the Lord and been strong with him. And is there life after? Absolutely. That's mm -hmm. what God chose too. You know, we in the world may say, you know, you failed, you're done, but that's not what God says. Mm -hmm. That's right. You've mentioned that, you, you've said that word a few times, the word hijacked. And you mentioned it earlier about how the prophetic can be hijacked, how inner healing can be hijacked. What does that look like whenever it's hijacked? When we, uh, with the prophetic, God, it, it, some of it's teaching. People don't understand the use of the prophetic, the offices of prophetic, how there's the prophetic in the church, which we're all called to encourage and comfort and, and exhort one another. Every believer should walk in, be walking in that prophetic level. And then there's the office of prophetic, which is the, um, which Angel has an office of prophecy on her where she course corrects ministry and leading and, and so forth. And of course, I'm doing a condensed bridge uh, sure. <laughs> to come to school, you know, I'm a teacher. <laughs> this, could be, this could be a weeks long class. And then there's uh, prophets over nations who, you know, and you don't just show up one day as a prophet over nation. You, God can trust you in the little things and you walk up uh, and you don't appoint yourself to that. God does. Uh, so in the prophetic, even at this level where we're to walk in this, pro prophecy was never used to be directive. It doesn't tell people what they should do. It um, confirms and um, maybe encourages or points in that direction. And it, so if we become directive, if, and that's us walking in our soul, soul place of needing control, then we've hijacked prophecy, and it's become about us controlling someone. Uh, if God gives you a word, and sometimes we're uncomfortable with the words that God gives us because they don't make sense to us, and we're not, and we don't get the response we want from the people, and so we try to go beyond what God has said, that's a hijack. Mm -hmm. Can you think of other hijacks that I'm not thinking of? Mm -hmm. uh, or, or even uh, even the demonic God, the enemy will um, he um, copies what God does. You know, even New Age is a co New Age movements are a copy of what God has really released in Scripture. And so, when we go apart from God and apart from the the biblical foundation, uh, we've been hijacked mm. by darkness. So, I had this conversation with another one of my guests, and because this, I'm just going to give this kind of caveat, right? Mm -hmm. Because this this interview is going to air in about two weeks. Who knows what will happen between here and then? But at this moment, there is this whole political thing. And I don't talk a lot of pol politics on this podcast, but mm -hmm. it, because we're talking prophetic, mm -hmm. this is a question that I'm just interested in your, both of your point of view on this. What does what should the church do with where we are right now, which is you have all of these big name prophets mm -hmm. who were declaring Donald Trump will be president. And uh, some said oh, there, there won't even be a, a count, like he'll be for sure president on election day. And this is what the Lord declares, and they're giving these words, and then it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. So I know for myself, uh, and you pr probably as well, just because of connections we all have, right? We've all been in ministry for a long time. The church has questions, which is why? What happened? Where the prophets just swept up in politics, or what do we do with that? So how, what, what is your feeling on, on what the church, how should they respond to these things when mm -hmm. prophecy didn't happen the way the prophets said it would happen? Well... It's it's 
we're, it's still in the mix. We still right. don't know. You yes. know. I read something the other day that we do not have an official uh, president-elect mm-hmm. or whatever. So, so we don't know if that prophecy is going to – I mean, the part about it being a sweep, we, we see some narratives there where when you look at the map, you know, it's all red. Mm-hmm. You know, the map of where yeah, people that, have done. They said that it was that military stuff they said they found, like the – I can't remember what it was. I just saw it on Facebook this morning. They were saying they found some – the election numbers from some military base, and it was like all red, something like that. So, um, would darkness fight against you know a prophetic move of God? Yes, um, I think that the prophets should hold on and see what happens. Uh, do we get it wrong? Sometimes we do. We're human. God is working through human vessels, and so the best thing we can do, if it ends up not being the uh, that it was a wrong word, is to admit it and say, you know, I messed up. I felt this, but. Uh, I think that there's a lot of things at play. Like we don't know the battle of darkness once those words went out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the pro- prophetic words. Uh, a lot of people have now with that with the kingdom prophecy. That was more of a kingdom prophecy that this will happen. And I think we have to we have to navigate it. Like I said, wait it out, see what happens. I think I think one of the dangers was we are quick to um, acquiesce. We are quick to say, hey, we were wrong before before it even played out all mm-hmm. the way. And uh, I think that might have been a fear move, you know, or not fear, but really wanting to do right and make it right. And so they were quick to correct, which is a right move, but wait, wait it out until it's all played out. Um, In the, at all levels, like I said, we're human and God's working through human vessels and sometimes we get it wrong. We're, we're not perfect. Some, we can have other things in play, deep wishes. That's why we can't, um, we can't underestimate the power of self-deception. And that's why prophecy has to be confirmed by two or more. And, you know, the thing about Trump was when you look out in the nation. And so they, they need to um, – we need to recognize that we can get it wrong and be willing to say, you know, I might have been wrong around that, about that. When we, when we train people to prophesy, you don't go and say the Lord says this. You know, because you're just not that good. You don't know the full. <laughs> and you don't want to, you don't, you know, when, when you, when we have someone come to saying God says this, you can't argue with it. You yeah. can't, you can't test it. You can't, you can't give the, you know, God says have two or more test this. Let's look at this. And if I say God's done it, if you come and say, I don't think that's God, it's like you're coming against God and you can't do, you can't do that. And so we have to be mindful that we are these, we are these uh, jars of clay. So we're fragile. We're, we've got some cracks. You know, God's working through imperfect vessels. And be willing to say, listen, I'm just sensing this from the Lord. You, you try it and you test it. The other thing about prophetic words is you have to war over them. You don't just say, well, God said it, and if he wants it, you know, you said that, and if it's from God, if he wants it to happen, it's going to happen. No, remember, we're in this battle. We're in this fight where darkness is going to try and take the word or take your heart from it. And so you have to turn towards it, begin to pray, begin to seek the Lord, wait for those other confirmations that can come in a lot of ways and lean into it. Mm-hmm. What's your thought on that? No, 100% agree. I agree that, one, we're human vessels. Two, I, I think sometimes even per, a person who prophesies a lot, I get excited, mm-hmm. and I speak before I pray it out, mm. <laughs> and I jump before God says release a word. You know what I mean? You get excited, so you release something prior to it being to you've um, – marinated it for a while to make sure so sometimes that happens I also am not surprised um, that the words were attacked that just because of the things that I've heard prophetically the things that God has spoken about this year being the year of the mouth of of course the enemy is going to try to come against the mouths of 
the body of Christ through the prophets and the prophecies that have come forth. Of course, there will be an attack against it so that the, the belief in God is questioned. And, you know, that's always what he's up to. So everything that came out, I mean, there was a really loud, this is what, this is the year of the mouth. This is what God is going to do in our nation. And, and so I'm not surprised by the attack. Um, I too think that our prophets jumped the gun. There hasn't been a final stay yet. I think I would have held off before I came out and apologized for something until it was over. Um, and do you think this, I mean, let's just process this together. If in the, if in the reality, which we're seeing, you know, across a, a the board votes for Trump and so forth, if in the reality he did win, but darkness sent in an assignment of attack, is that a possibility too? Yeah, that would be my question. That that's something that I would struggle with mm -hmm. is because I, I believe in prophecy, uh, strongly in prophecy. But that would be my struggle would be the concept that the enemy would have that much power. Like I understand on a smaller level, mm -hmm. I do understand that that the prophetic words are spoken out. We have to pray them through. But whenever it's a national, like you call it a kingdom prophecy, when it's mm -hmm. like it's over a whole nation, that that's hard for me. I I, I struggle to find like a biblical reference. Maybe you you know of where a prophet gave like a national prophecy mm -hmm. that had to be, that was, could be threatened by the enemy. And so that, that's something I've been, I've been just trying to push, just so, sort of wrestle through mm -hmm. myself. Cause I, I don't have the office of prophet. So that's not something that I move strongly in so that I don't have a full understanding of, of how it all operates and works. And so I'm just always curious of, of people's kind of uh, belief on it. Cause I know so many believers right now, they're, just with all of this, there uh, there's Traveling. so much confusion, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so I just try to kind of wrestle through it with our our listeners as right. well, as sort of. Well, and the enemy does you know work in confusion, and he does have power on the earth when you come into agreement with him. That's why we, you know, as believers, we've come into agreement with God, and are we leaning into the power that we have on the earth as kingdom walkers? You know, the more we walk out healing, the more we're able to do that. Mm. I'm trying to think uh, through the biblical narrative, yeah. as you said that. Yeah. I haven't landed on anything yet. Yeah, so. that's okay. I, yeah, and I don't, mm. I, I find myself often in these interviews, I ask people questions, and it's like, the world change like how do we change the world oh yeah it's like well, well you change your world yeah. and then it changes the world uh, who was it uh, dallas willard said if you truly are a social activist your social activism is going to be in this relationship mm. and that's going to change the world because we can go out and do all good for others and then the people who we impact the most are there are in our community and we do not uh, we're, we're not transforming that world. Um, I do know in biblical prophecy that God can give a, you know, if their prophets gave a prophetic word of negativity and the people repented, That's true. Yes. then it would change. That's right. And so, you know, Nineveh, we, um, just off the top of my head, some of the kings, you know, prophetic words towards those. So mm -hmm. God shows this is the way we're going and you can shift and, uh, and it'll change. And so, you know, did we did we lean in? I think I think that in our humanness, we we really want concrete answers. We really want start and stop points, and we have them. We're built to live in time, and we do have those things happen. But there are just some things that we know in part. Yeah, and we have to we have to be yeah. okay with the unknown. Which if you got any kind of control issues, <laughs> the, it's going to get pushed on. That's true. I I often think of that how the Bible says that. The, the word of God is a lamp into our feet, which 
of course, the imagery there is that everything is dark around, and mm-hmm. that is the only light. There is no other light, mm-hmm. and how it, it lights your path, right. which means there's so much unknown. What else right. is happening off that path? That's a we great, don't know. That's a great visual. And so I, that's something for me that the Lord, because I like, I'm a planner. And I like to know things way in advance, and usually we don't get to. No, <laughs> especially <laughs> in what you do. <laughs> so yeah, no idea. You got no. to lean into the discomfort. Yeah. I also want to just know. make a comment on what you, you mentioned earlier about that sometimes prophets, they say, like, this is what God said, and you can't argue with that. And I, I think about, and I don't want to, like, sound too negative, but mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of cults have been started that way. Yes. I think of Mormonism. Yes. Mormonism started because of Joseph Smith, which during the, the Second Great Awakening, there was so people were so hungry for the supernatural that Joseph Smith shows up and says, I, an angel came to me and he tell he got his wife to marry him. He, he was in love with this girl and they, her family were all Christ, Protestant Christians and they refused to let her associate with him. So he came to her one day and he said, an angel named mm-hmm. Maroney appeared to me and said, there's this treasure chest and inside this treasure chest are these secrets from God. And the only way that I, he will let me open it is if I bring you with me if you marry me and they ended up eloping he convinced this girl to elope with him it happens so often like people say the lord told me i'm supposed it's to marry manipulate. it's so manipulative and if we're not grounded in the word and if we don't have a safe community that is watching with us we can get hijacked like that yeah that's right and we're hungry for community that's yes. how cults form too we want to be in relationship and they prompt cults and gangs and other you know um things like that on the earth that's what they that's what they provide it's it's a it's a twisted community and an unhealthy community uh side note i did a little dive into mormonism when i was looking for god oh, too really? <laughs> <laughs> got well, out quick i'm glad you got out quick yeah <laughs> so so now the lord is kind of trans i mean you're still doing inner healing but i yeah. from, from what i understand the lord has been speaking to you about a, a kind of a new thing on endurance is yes. that correct? can you can you tell us about that i'm glad you asked because i'm pretty excited about it right awesome. now it's well, a new, new thing that i'm just testing the waters with the lord so encounter is transformation to go to the next level you know as we and the next level is that from glory to glory and so you encounter god the whole premise of u5 is we believe that you um you have to encounter God in transformative, supernatural ways. He is a supernatural God. And is, is and of course the enemy would hijack the gifts and the supernatural so that we would shut it down, which is just as dangerous as being um, hyper-spiritual and allowing you know anything to go without a solid biblical foundation. We don't want to do either. We want to learn to steward what God is doing. And he gives us good biblical narratives, and he gives us the safety net of a healthy community. So we, we, we want to encounter God in supernatural ways, we want to uh, engage in the biblical narrative in, in new knowledge because we're transformed by new knowledge. Uh, we want to empower others, and that's what the prayer ministry is because we're breaking off the things that hinder. You know, there are sins, sins that in, you stop and, and uh, things that entangle, and so we want those entanglements uh, broken off of us. Uh, so encounter, equip, empower, engage. Once you've been, you know, uh, you know empowered, then Go out and do the work. Engage in it, too. Set other captives three and then educate. Uh, teacher by, by gift. And, you know, I always want people to learn and to go to the next level. So uh, endurance is transformation to go the distance. And so what we where the encounter, it's very, very community, community of others focused. We're going to come alongside you. We don't do something to you. 
we walk with you. And we are experiencing transformation to the next level every time. It's probably why we're so passionate about it. We feel the shifts in ourselves. But endurance is where I recognize that a lot of people, they, they get healed and then they go back to the old narrative. They're, they're, store, they, they're still, you know, the lie is still there and still prominent and other experiences are holding, are holding on to them. They, they believe this story of their life uh, that, that was and then they've had this profound encounter and so endurance helps them to um, grab the, the narrative, the new story, the, the intentional um, planned story that God has for you, get the vision of your life and go forward. Most people don't have a personal vision statement for their life. Why am I here? You know, what, what is my presence on the kingdom and what am I supposed to do? So endurance really is you going into that community of me with Jesus uh, in a community of others who are going to that community of me and becoming uh, contemplative in your thoughts, recognizing, re really recognizing the lie that God is telling you. And our stories are long and, and God is good and gracious and gentle. And so what, is, what does he have you working on now? And then really getting a vision for uh, what he has for you. One of the things that we do in endurance is that we, um, once we recognize the lie narrative and we begin to work on the um, true narrative, uh, is that we have people um, engage in a vision board. And, and so we, um, we have a rational brain and we have an emotional brain. And even in our, even in our physiological makeup, they're in the brain, they're far from each other. Um, a lot of times we can know something intellectually but we live out something completely different. It's what Paul said, the things I want to do, I'm not doing. The things I don't want to do, you know, I'm doing. I don't, what is, what is wrong with this wretched man? And so we have to begin to con connect that story. Rational brain, emotional brain, it's the double-mindedness that James talks about, where my spirit man is, it, my flesh man is disagreeing with my spirit man, and I'm struggling in this. And so endurance helps to bring uh, clarity and unity in that thought process. And so we really want people to, um, shut down the rational brain for a little bit and really connect to what God is speaking to you. And we do that through, you know, action steps, tangibles. And then we have them work on this vision board um, coming from a place of I'm hearing, I'm hearing God tell me the story. I recognize the lie. I'm hearing God tell me the story. And then as a group, we prophesy over those boards. And I'm telling you, we've only done, this is our second one. And so we're in the test, we're in the trial phase. But the things you tell about yourself that are good, that are where you can see in the boards where God has taken you from and where he is taking you to. And then we have the opportunity to lean into it. It's been transformative. When I did endurance, it was taking the Arizona leaders through. And so it was a whole new experience from them. And you have to have gone through encounter to go through endurance. See, a lot of people say, let's do endurance. That sounds awesome. I want to get that vision. But you won't hear the, cl the clear vision through a wounded lens. So you go through encounter, and then you experience that. And so we, we had our team, and then we invited some others who had been through uh, a couple of encounter um, retreats. And uh, the feedback I'm getting from that is, you know, I'm like, so I felt like God wanted us to do this. How, how was it for you? And they said it was transformal, transformational. And one of the things that was most transformational, talk about the hiding voice, is that we were in it together, and we saw each other struggle, and we rejoiced and we encourage because when when uh, someone who is say coming up in ministry sees m our struggle when I mean, that we're leaning into Jesus that we're going low that we recognize it it helps them to say I could do this too mm -hmm. I might not be perfect I might have struggles but I can do this too and we owe that to each other 
you know, that you can. You're not perfect. You're never going to be perfect on this side, but you can be holy, which is um, finding your life in God and not apart from God. Do you ever go through these process? I know the the uh, encounter, this this endurance process is just beginning, but through the whole process as a whole, do you ever have non-believers who go through it and find Jesus in the process, or do you require that they believe believe that they be believers to go through it? Well, you know the the lane that that's in is that it's it's a, a work on the believers. It's a dis, it's a discipleship model to walk out healing. So, um, we've had people who you know they thought they were believers and can't even point to that encounter moment and so i I think in your sessions too we've had people who we've had to really like wait a minute let's get to the beginnings and lead you to the lord and then go through to the next level so it has happened Hmm. you know you can't like i said you can't walk out that healing until you're in agreement with god or or else it could be i don't want to use this term but dangerous yeah to your walk because the enemy you haven't uh been transferred to the kingdom of light the enemy's gonna hijack you yeah <laughs> well and it's like you said earlier you if you remove something from the house and don't yeah. refill it it's definitely St- that that's full that's definitely scriptural so you said that you write like you lock yourself in a room i actually have two questions for you okay you said you lock yourself in a room and you write in this whole process first of all uh, i know a lot of ministers who they'll take like the month of january and they just do that. They lock themselves in a room and they just pray for the whole month. They do that for the whole to, to praying for the whole year. Uh, is that something you do regularly or just whenever you're in a writing process? So I should probably get better at it, huh? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you know, er- everything that's happened, you know, the encounter and the endurance God does to me, with me first. And so I encounter it first and it's usually a very long process with the Lord. I, I just went through... For I asked God in 2016, if there's any undealt it's issues with me, let's take care of them. And went to a f- went through a four-year uh, deep lesson thing with the Lord. And actually, uh, endurance, because, you know, God is speaking to us and we have all these things. And the clarity of endurance happened when I was running. I w- was running one day, actually running. And God was uh, speaking to me through that. Um, I have not positioned myself to have a lot of time to sit in and write. We, we know, and a lot of the team has been saying, you have to start writing this stuff down. We have to have the tangibles. I have the doctorate written, which is the initial process. This is the biblical theology, the contemporary literature that's out there that's talking about it, and then the process that we did. I have uh, positional papers on a, on a sacred community and the importance of being transformed in community. And I'm just now starting to write a book that is not an academic book for the E5 process. So Yeah, that was my next question for you is do you have a book or materials like for any listeners out there how do they how do they get this? You know, well, we have a website where and we recognize that like you said podcasting and stuff as we were talking earlier, we're really leaning into um, figuring out the podcast, getting some I have a I have a, de- a learning uh, and, and a knowledge deficit in some of these areas and so it's not my lane. I just need people to come alongside me and help me. So we're going to start the podcast and the teachings and that and uh, we and I am beginning to write the literature. We we can give you resources that are in the kingdom such as demolishing strongholds. You can get a hold of that which um, even while I'm here in Pennsylvania, I think Katie and I are working on some things to get on the website. And Bait of Satan by John Bevere. Do you know John oh, Bevere? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bait of Satan book. is a book that you should read every year, every couple of years, because we will take on offense. We will. And it's how we process through them. And so that's an excellent book that will help people to see, help people to begin to see, 
you know, I might be holding on to something. Yeah. Yeah. For our, for our listeners and watchers, uh, as it, those of you who listen regularly, you'll know all of the, like uh, Dr. Shelley's website and different resources. They'll be in the description of the video and in the audio. So you can just scroll down, you can click on it, and they can go straight to your website and see what you got as well. And we run a couple of conferences here a year that is not just open to the church, to anybody, and, and we'll, uh, we're getting better about getting those on, on the website, and we run a couple in Arizona right now. And we'll go anywhere and run a retreat with a, with a church. We've, okay, we've so if someone wants well. to invite you to come do a retreat, they can go on your website, and it's like a contact page or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, or a number, and then call us, and we'll we can uh, walk them through the process. One of the things about the process, and they're the non-negotiables. We, you know, we know God moves in a certain way, but we feel very strongly that we have to have community together, and so we eat meals together because there's something releasing. You know, when you're eating over a meal, your 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 guards down. You're, it's a sacred. It's yeah. a sacred yeah. act, and so we do those meals together, and it really is transformative. Mm-hmm. What are some of the non-negotiables that we have in there? You you, and then you protect that community yes um, not allowing others to come in halfway through or just for a service it's protecting the community right. that's being built the whole time <laughs> listen when i was doing endur- just to show the protection of that and how it's nothing personal but we've built a sacred community people are becoming very vulnerable mm-hmm. so that they can be transparent to be transformed when i was doing endurance two of our team members they said hey we'll just come up and visit i'm like you know that's not how it works <laughs> yeah, i love you i want you here but you can't just come in and, and you know disrupt the community that's being built yeah. one of them was my husband <laughs> so. okay so yeah okay so they're very closed that's mm-hmm. okay that's good that'll be good for people to closed know. and safe but once you so we want you to go through the whole process this isn't let's go to a frilly you know and i i shouldn't say it like that but you know this isn't a let's just go to this conference you know women's street this is boot camp yeah mm-hmm. So for you, and we want everyone to lean into the process and be safe and not be distracted. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow, that's so. awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Shelley. Would you um, pray for our, we always, I like to have the guests pray for our listeners and our viewers. And Angel, you can pray as well. Actually, Angel, why don't you go first? And Dr. Shelley, you can, you can pray to close us out. Well, I do. really appreciate your time and for well, coming and doing this. It's a pleasure, and boy, time is I know it's it's, we're already over an hour so wow (laughs) that's been that's been how it's been you know that's maybe the transported space that God works in community that he just flies and you you know I'm I tell those guys I'm a fire hose I'm just gonna throw it at you you don't have to grab onto all of it to see what latches (laughs) onto your heart and that God wants to work with that's right well I mean anytime I find anytime we're talking about things of the kingdom and and the way the Holy Spirit moves and God moves time just just go so so fast and that's why i have people come back because we have to be able to continue the conversation later well i would love to yeah Yeah. i'd love to have you back next time you're in town we'll have to do this again right okay well if you two could pray please Mm -hmm. father we just thank you that you are good and faithful lord and we thank you that you uh, gave us holy spirit so that we could do life with each other and with you father and i just i just pray for any listener out there that is struggling in the wrestle of the salvation journey and just hurting and broken and don't know where to go, what to tune tune into, God, that they would tune into your voice and they would tune into this and reach out, Father, that, that they are safe and that you love them and you are for them and not against them. God, we just thank you again for goodness that you that you pour out on us constantly, Father. And we just thank you for this time and we thank you for Dr. Shelley and what she has brought to your kingdom here on earth to transform lives. In Jesus' name.
And Lord, I just thank you that you love us, that you are good and that you love us. And I just pray right now for uh, everyone listening, if they're in a place of struggle, if they're in a place of fear, we just we just command those uh, tormenting spirits to stand down and to leave them alone so that they could hear your voice of love spoken over them, that they would know that you um, are not leaving and that you want to speak shalom over them, nothing lost, nothing broken, and that you are calling them into a place of wholeness because you have great plans for us. I thank you, Lord, that you, uh, in your graciousness and in your mercy, uh, allow us and invite us to be in partnership with you and then equip us through healing, through knowledge, through community to walk it out together. I thank you for this sacred community of, of us in this room today and, and that there are others who are just going to feel the presence of you and want you. And Lord, I pray that their steps are ordered and that they are directed to places of healing and communities of transformation and that they're forever um, renewed to walk in kingdom power. Thank you, Lord, for Alan and his ministry. Uh, bless the work of him and his wife's and their family's hands. And please meet every need that they have, Lord, and encourage them in the seasons that you have them in. And we just give you all praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.